During the era of muscle cars, souped-up engines, and great American road trips, Die Hard was born. And for 50 high-performance years, they haven't stopped charging ahead. Die Hard is honoring the spirit of those who have a passion for the road and what they drive by partnering with Sears Auto Center to give you exciting offers to help you get to your next adventure. Right now, buy three Die Hard tires and get one free with installation at a Sears Auto Center near you. Visit SearsAuto.com to find a location. 50 powerful years. Forever Die Hard. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a five-star review, tell your friends to subscribe. And if you want to advertise with us or have questions you want us to answer in the show, make sure you email us there at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. And so, Cody, the, we're two days away from the start of the Bulls-Celtics playoff series. The Locked On Bulls playoff preview that you've all been waiting for when we launched this podcast, what, like last June 22nd-ish or something? The June first, 20th-ish? The, the, the second episode that we did was a reaction episode to the Derrick Rose trade. Yeah, so big things happen with Locked On Bulls, you know what I mean? Year one, Bulls return to spect- respectability and get to the playoffs, although... That may need. We're a using this very loosely. Yes, yes, very liberal with saying back to respectability. But you know what would return the Bulls back to respectability is a playoff upset. Yeah. Of the top seeded Boston Celtics because so much has been made this year uh, of the Bulls after what many classified as a disaster for first year for Fred Hoiberg. Yes. Um, given the roster uh, they had and what they had sold it as this year, I think. Everyone expected there to be a lot more bumps along the road, and there were plenty of bumps along the road, and some of them anticipated, like the inability to shoot three-pointers for long stretches. Uh, Some of them not anticipated, like the trade of Taj Gibson, D-Wade and Jimmy yelling at their teammates, Rondo going back at them, all that jazz that we saw this year. But here the Bulls are, 41-41, and and they get a Celtics team 53 wins, I believe, which is the fewest wins for a top seed in quite some time, if I read correctly. Yeah, since, a team that's since, not dominant. Since the, since the Sonics in the 1970s. That seems like a long time ago. I, I, I would venture to guess that 95% of Locked on Bulls listeners weren't even alive back then. Definitely not a time that the millennials have ever seen. No. Now, I, I want to point something out about this series. This is the most important thing that I want to make okay. sure that everybody understands because I've already gotten a lot of tweets oh, about this. I might know where this is going. I need I need to just clarify this. Clarify. So out of the four games that are definitely happening, because we know the rest of it is if necessary. We don't know the scheduling for that stuff yet. Three of the first four games are on TNT. TNT Bulls, baby. It does not matter at all. The TNT Bulls is, is, very, is specifically a regular season streak. It does not have any bearing on this series. Do not tweet me about TNT Bulls. It, if, they, if, they, if they lose one of these games, it's on TNT. The streak is still alive because it's a regular season streak. Yes, and there's many qualifiers through streak as well. It only applies at home, so a TNT game in Boston wouldn't matter. Anyway, and if you point out and say, but why is that? Why can't it apply for the playoffs? Because the Bulls lost a game to the Bucks on TNT a couple years ago in Tom Thibodeau's final year. Uh, on TNT. I think that was on a Thursday, too, one of those yes. uh, losses to the Bucks. So, yes, as Sean pointed out, the magic for the Bulls in this series has to come internally. No outside influences here. No, there's TNT magic. It's going to be about whether the Bulls can get it done. And let's walk through this a little bit. 
What, Sean, since you just threw that negative attention out there, that bad news to our listeners that TNT Bowls doesn't apply here, give them a reason or the reasons you think the Bulls and Bulls fans should be confident heading into this series. What do the Bulls have going for them, in your mind, more than anything? Uh, I think the biggest advantage they have going in, and I said this yesterday on the podcast I did with Jay King, but you know the biggest thing that the Bulls can hang their hat on is they have the best player in the series, Jimmy Butler. I think the Celtics are obviously a deeper team. They're more talented. They're better coached overall. But the Bulls have the best single best player on the floor in the series, and in the playoffs that can matter. How much do you think it's going to matter? completely agree with that. I know people have brought up, well, Isaiah Thomas is having the sensational season, and he has been brilliant. He's been great. For the Celtics, he might probably finish higher than Jimmy on the MVP ballot. Yeah. Um, but it comes down to this. The game's on the line. Jimmy Butler can guard Isaiah Thomas. Yes. And slow him down. Isaiah Thomas can't guard Jimmy Butler. Jimmy can throw out similar production for most of the game. Isaiah Thomas can't guard anyone. It's not just he can't guard Jimmy Butler, he can't guard anybody. Shout out to the Isaiah Thomas, Rajon Rondo matchup that we're going to get for like, what, three quarters, two and a half, three quarters? Uh At least of the first game, probably. I would expect Jimmy Butler to be guarding Isaiah Thomas in the fourth quarter of most games. Is that fair to say? I mean, did Fred hint at that? Did Jimmy hint at that? At practice today, what have the Bulls revealed about that? Well, so that was actually a big topic of conversation today. At practice, the Jimmy Butler-Isaiah Thomas matchup. Fred obviously didn't tell us anything. He said they have a plan for how they want to defend Isaiah Thomas. He just said they have a plan in place. He didn't go into specifics because he never goes into specifics about anything. And then Jimmy said that he would be willing to guard him the whole game if he had to, but he doesn't think it's going to come to that and that he's going to make Isaiah Thomas work. He's looking forward to the challenge. I would guess that it's going to be pretty similar to what happened in the game in February that the Bulls won right before the All-Star break, where they put Jimmy on him in the fourth quarter, yep. and then they you know, had him on other guys in the, in the first three quarters, let Jimmy get his offense going, because you're really asking a lot. Even, even a player as good as Jimmy Butler, you're asking him a lot to carry everything on offense for the whole game and stay in front of somebody who's as fast as Isaiah Thomas and is as hard to guard as Isaiah Thomas the whole game. You you have to pick your spots for when to focus on each one. Yeah, like, there's such a huge difference guarding Isaiah Thomas and, like, an Avery Bradley in the energy department because as good as a- Avery Bradley has been this year and the fact that he can knock down a three-pointer as soon as he gets it and he is, he's a pretty good slasher to the hoop when someone else can create a little bit for him and give him that uh, little bit of daylight... Jimmy can sit there and kind of just stand there. You know what I mean? You are chasing Isaiah Thomas around everything. These screens from one corner to the next, when he has the ball you're chasing him around, no matter what, you're always chasing and moving. So it is a big deal. And you pointed out that was the game in February. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, that Jimmy made the two free throws at the end of the game. Yeah, that was the Marcus Smart fan foul. Yeah, um, to keep the TNT bull streak going at that point. And it continued in glorious fashion against the Warriors and Cavaliers as well. But that fourth quarter was really... I remember how fun it was it to was watch so Jimmy that, those, guard Isaiah Those Thomas. two going back and forth because the whole quarter. I think Jimmy blocked him once, and there was another move. Isaiah Thomas had, a, I think, a sensational move to the hoop. And I think like the final stat line, uh, I'd have to go back and, and, ch- and check this for certain, but he had like... Seven points on three of seven field goals or something. And, like, he worked so hard. Jimmy worked so hard, too. And it's like Isaiah would get him one possession. Jimmy would get him the next. But, like, that's what the Bulls had to do to win that game. Because you put 
Rondo on him for the entire fourth quarter. At that point, Jaron Grant maybe getting a lot of starters minutes. And maybe one of those plays Jimmy doesn't make is an easy layup for Isaiah Thomas. Or you lose him once, and that's the three, and then Jimmy doesn't have a chance to win it on the final possession where he did get fouled and sink two free throws. So uh, that's obviously interesting to watch. I think we probably agree here. Bulls have the best player. Isaiah Thomas, second best player in the series. <laughs> Where's the rest of this fall? Is, is Al Horford the third best player in the series? Is Jay Crowder better than the Bulls? Next best player, too. What do we expect out of Dwayne Wade, who has always been one of the great playoff players of all time? What do we expect out of him? Who, who's who got the advantage moving down here? It depends on where he is physically, because he he has not he did not look good in those three games that he played since coming back yeah. from the elbow injury. But he I mean, he said his elbow was fine. It's not that the elbow was a lingering thing. It's just that he hadn't timing. played in three weeks. His timing wasn't there. His conditioning wasn't there. He was on a minutes restriction. I think the thought and... Hoiberg said today at practice that he is fine and that he's had a better, you know, he's looked good in practice. And I think, it, you know, maybe he got some rest. He has a few more days to get his feet back under him when it comes to, you know, his conditioning. So if Wade is in shape, and you have to keep in mind, this is something that Wade has been doing for several years. I mean, obviously when he was in his prime, he was going hard every night. But for the last four or five years or so, he's been kind of picking his spots taking it easy at times during the regular season to get ready for the playoffs. And obviously last year in the playoffs against the Hornets and then against the Raptors, he was phenomenal. And so, I, I, you know, I feel like he, he might be setting up for a big playoffs like this, which would obviously give the Bulls a better chance of winning the series. But I don't know if it's something we can count on, just given where he has been physically the last couple weeks. Yeah, and I think, I think Dwayne Wade's still got plenty left in the tank here in the playoffs because, as you said, He's paced himself. I think he knows how to approach these games like a complete pro. I think part of the problem might be for him, though, is because of that injury um, and because of that timing and then because of how good the Celtics are at their perimeter defense. Yeah. I think it's going to be really hard for Dwayne Wade to be an efficient scorer in this series. Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart are the two people we would assume would guard him the most. Jay Crowder will get quite a few minutes on Jimmy. Obviously, Marcus Smart, when he's out there, won't be afraid to guard Jimmy. Smart's a little sturdier, I think, than Avery Bradley uh, in that sense, and Jimmy's so strong. So I would expect Bradley and probably Smart to get quite a few minutes on Dwayne Wade, and they're both really, really good defenders. I mean, I've been reading, what, three, four, five people's awards ballots recently and explanations. I think Zach Lowe was among those pointing out, like, you could have put any of these Celtics on second-team defense in the NBA, any of these three perimeter defender guys. Like, some are better in other ways um, than the other. But Dwayne Wade needs to juggle this properly because the Bulls went on that surge when he went out with the fractured elbow. And it was in large part because roles were defined. They're knocking down three-pointers. They're playing really well off Jimmy, and Nico stepped up. And, again, Dwayne Wade is a really smart basketball player. Um, I think he does know how to fit in, but he's going to have to be careful to not, on the postseason stage, in the spotlight, knowing this is what he does best, he's got to be careful not to do too much and become inefficient. Because the margin of error, say what you want, is still small for the Bulls. Although everyone's saying like they have a chance. like I agree, they have a chance in this series. We'll get to predictions later here, mm-hmm. I think. But 
Dwayne Wade. It's okay if Dwayne Wade scores 12 or 14 points if Nico's playing well and Jimmy's being a star, right? Like, are you with me on that, or do you think Dwayne Wade has to score 20 points again? I think Nico is the X factor in this series, because, you know, we know what you're going to get out of Jimmy Butler. You're going to get 25, 30 points a night and elite defense. Yeah. You're, you know, you, you, Dwayne Wade's going to be able to get his shots. Rondo is going to run the offense. You know what you, and you know, obviously, you know what you're getting out of Robin Lopez. So out of, like, the main guys... Nico is a total question mark because he's been terrific for the most part lately. He had that incredible March, and then he was in a slump for a couple games in early April, but then he picked it back up towards the end of the season. If he can knock down some threes, I think that's the best way for the Bulls to have a chance to steal this game. If Nico is out there missing shots and he starts getting his confidence down on the playoff stage, hesitant to shoot, then I think the Bulls are kind of done. But if he gets hot, if he has a game or two or hits six three-pointers, then you know the Bulls absolutely have a chance in this series. I believe Nico's averaging just shy of 16 points and shooting about 42-43% on threes since Rondo went back into yeah. the starting lineup. Um, so he's certainly been and lived up to that billing as the number two guy uh, when the Bulls have focused on him and counted on him here. And everyone says March, you know, like that's Miritich's month and everything, but I mean, he's had a pretty good April too, these last however many games they played in April, down the stretch of half months worth. Um, so, he's key. What's I find slightly striking here in this series too is that, well, Miritich didn't play in two of those games. He was inactive for the debacle in Boston on that Sunday, March 12th, I think it was. Yes. When the Bulls scored a whopping nine points in the first quarter, twenty six points in the first yep. half, uh, and he also didn't play by coach's decision in that TNT Bulls Magic game. Well, that was because he was coming Just off coming, he was yeah. coming off that back injury, and that's true. They liked what what Portis was doing. Portis had a big game, and they didn't want to rush him back. And then you know there was also some stuff where they you know they were shot. They were talking to a couple teams about trades that ended up yeah. not happening. They didn't want to risk him getting injured right before the trade deadline. So. That game, though, they've only... I, I think you there's a line of delineation or demarcation here for the Bulls pre-All-Star break and trade deadline and post because the Bulls aren't the same team, and this is striking since the trade of Taj Gibson. After that trade is when they started just shooting fire from three-point range. You know what I mean? Like, it was... Shockingly, they did it. Um, but they also waned a little bit offensive rebounding and those second chance points. And you'd expect that when, I mean, that's what Taj was great at. And you replace him with Miritich and Portis with more minutes, and they don't fit quite the same billing as that. So the formula that the Bulls used early in the year when they split a pair of games from the Celtics, I think they opened the season with them and then played in Boston shortly after you were there at those. Like, that's not the same team, you know what I mean? And that makes it interesting because they've played four times. But like you said, Miritich is an X-factor. They trot out there. What the Celtics are going to see with Miritich starting and the way the Bulls are playing, just firing three-pointers indiscriminately, like it's going to be different than the rest of these games that have already been played. I don't know if that works in the Bulls' favor or whatnot. Like The Celtics have been a lot more consistent with their rotation and style of play all year. Like Maybe it's just a long con from Fred Hoiberg setting the Celtics up for something they haven't seen. You ever think of that? I mean, it would be it would very much surprise me if Fred Hoiberg was like <laughs> intentionally deceiving the other team. If it was like if it was like remember the Wizards a couple of years ago when it looked like they just had no idea what they were doing with their lineups, and then uh, Randy Whitman was like, "Hey, we're gonna start just playing Paul Pierce at power forward," and then they go out and they win that series against Toronto. <laughs> Boom, get it I, done. 
And, I mean, Randy Whitman is considered one of the worst coaches in recent NBA history. I mean, maybe Fred Hoiberg has something like that up his sleeve. I don't hey, know. there's always a trick up the sleeve. We'll, we'll get to that coaching in a second, but wanted to round back here on the rebounding topic. Like, the Bulls still have a big advantage rebounding. Like, I, as long as Robin Lopez is out there, and look, when Chris Felicio's out there, it seems like he's kind of the backup yeah. center now. Bobby, like, I mean, they still they don't crash the boards as well as Taj Gibson maybe necessarily, but they're still guys that can do it. Um, the Celtics are a bottom five team in the NBA in defensive rebounding percentage. They're bad at it. They are bad yeah. at that because Al Horford uh, is not a bruiser. He's, I don't think Al Horford's he's never been considered an elite rebounder anyway, but um, in his older years a little bit here, uh, he's more of an offensive facilitator and scorer offensive guy. He's not a guy who's going to grab 12 rebounds a game. And, like, he can't, like, Robin Lopez can push him around. You know what I mean? So the Bulls can beat the Celtics on the glass, and the Bulls have been a top four or five offensive rebounding team all year, a top two or three second-chance points team. Uh, and I think in both of the Bulls' wins, they did that well. Uh, in the games they didn't win against the Celtics, they didn't do that well. So that's one area where you look, and that's that's a place the Bulls can get them. Um, I'm interested, too, though, late-game lineups. Like, the Celtics are probably going to go no foul trouble. Horford. Crowder, Smart, Bradley, and Thomas, would you anticipate Yeah, I that? think so. They're Unless Olenek's on fire. Right, to a small lineup with Crowder at the four instead of Amir Johnson, yeah. How do you think the Bulls match up with that? Do you think they, they counter with their own slightly more smaller lineup? Like, Do you ride Robin Lopez if you think that rebounding advantage down the stretch is, is what you need and then what you give up on defense is Lopez doesn't guard out to the three-point line well and Horford can hit that shot? I almost feel like they have no choice but to stick with Lopez because that small lineup that they... I mean, they could do some stuff with a smaller lineup back when they had Taj and you could put Taj as kind of a smaller five. Like, do you feel comfortable putting Bobby Portis at center? Because I don't. Nico at center? No. Like, I don't don't think they really have options for that now. I mean, it'd be hard to see the Bulls playing... Anything's pot. I want to... Disclaimer, anything's possible with yeah. the Bulls when it comes to rotations. If nothing else, we figured that out this year. Like, if Jimmy Butler ends up playing center for a stretch, I wouldn't even blink an eye. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's played some four this year. Yeah. So, like, I could see, I mean, theoretically, you could throw Paul Zipser out there maybe. As and a four. Nico play five, but then I think you're going to get gonna beat up on a, the board. That's going to be such a disaster defensively. If yeah. You go up the five. Yeah, that would be. So, like, I think you probably have to have Felicio... Or uh, Lopez out there in crunch time. Um, I think you got to have Nico out there. You know you're going to have uh, Wade and Butler out there. And if you have good Rondo, right? Like, yeah. He should be playing. If you have bad Rondo, maybe you put Butler at point guard and get Paul Zipser on the wing or something to knock down some three. Zipser or Valentine. It seems like Valentine's out of the rotation, but that's another guy that can knock down a shot. Do you feel like, well, do you have a feeling that? Denzel Valentine will make one big shot in this series. Oh, I absolutely could see that. He's going to come off the bench, and he's just, and especially because, you know, he's a guy, he's never lacked for confidence, and especially since he's been out of the rotation the last week or so. If he gets a chance to get on the floor in the playoffs, he's going to be firing. He's going to want to get hot so that Fred Hoiberg will keep him in the rotation. He's just going to be jacking him up. Hey, if you're a shooter, if you're hot, you shoot. And if you're not, you shoot till you are hot. Like, I'm not that's mad. what shooters do. I'm not mad at it at all. I just I think that's how it's going to go. That's the best in. advice coaches can give shooters. He like, would probably be the tenth man because because I mean he they they have basically this nine man rotation that we think is pretty much set for now, which is the five starters and then Jaron Grant, Zipser, Portis, and Felicio mm-hmm. off the bench. I feel like if he went ten deep, Valentine would be that other guy. Does another wing he can shoot. Hoiberg has mentioned the possibility of Michael Carter-Williams still having a role in the series. 
um, defensively if he needs it. I don't see it. He's I not, don't see putting him on Isaiah Thomas is not going to go well. It's small guards that have got the best of him on several occasions this year, and he doesn't bring anything offensively. And look, I'm just I'm done with I'm done with the MCW experience. Yeah, it's I'm playoff out. time. It, give those playoff minutes to Jaron Grant. Yes, he's been um, good every time he's gotten significant minutes for a consistent amount of time. He's been good. He hasn't been great, but he's been solid. He's produced. He can shoot. He can make plays. He's improved as a passer, I think, over the course of the season. What's interesting uh, in this regard, speaking of the Bulls bench, uh, Casey Johnson, the Chicago Tribune, um, good research, very clever here in pointing out that uh, the Bulls, if Jaron Grant is the backup point guard and not Michael Carter-Williams, will have a bench that's playing the last four guys um, in their rotation with zero playoff experience. Yeah. Because Bobby and Jaron are going to be, and Chris will be, what, second-year guys? Second-year guys and Zipser. And then Zipser. And and Paul, Zipser Paul Zipser has played at some high-level international. Well, uh, that's that's very true. That's very true. He, you, you were looking, he, I was, he won a couple of Bayern championships. Bayern Munich won a championship. In the in German like, League. Yeah, in like 13 or 14 early, kind of, uh, in his time there. So I don't know how big of a role he had then. And then I think they were runners-up. Uh, in one of his latter years there, where my understanding was he was, I mean, one of the regulars yeah. and go-to guys. Um, in and obviously those international leagues are not the same level of competition as the NBA, but he's still played at a high level, uh, you know, championship against, in a professional league. So it's not quite the same thing as, you know, some of these guys played in college and were in the tournament. Those are against college kids. Like, Paul Zipser has played against grown men. I, I hope we get a quote like that from Paul Zipser, too, like that uh, uh, reminds of Denzel Valentine saying at Summer League, the only ones who say summer league titles don't matter are those who haven't played and won in summer league. I hope we get a uh, Paul Zipser quote that's like makes reference to his previous experiences playing in big games. I guess maybe that would maybe more in the vein of David Blatt. I was just going to. I was I'm, just going to. Bad analogy. There you go. Save it with David but Blatt. He's going to go full David Blatt. Well, you know, I've coached in front of world leaders before. Yeah, I've coached in front of a lot of presidents and prime ministers. Not a big deal that Barack Obama's here front row on opening <laughs> night of the NBA season. Um, I, it's so funny that like Paul Zipser comparing himself to a fighter pilot. Yeah, that would be epic. Brian uh, Windhorst of ESPN and Dave McMiniman uh, released that book on LeBron bringing a title back to Cleveland. And, like, that's one of, like, Windhorst was talking about on a podcast. Like, that was one of the seminal moments in the season where they're all just, like, raising their eyes already at David Blatt. Like, what on earth are you talking about, man? Like, how are you injecting yourself into this in a moment you need to be humble somehow? So I uh, bought that book. I haven't read it yet. I'm probably going to read it during this trip. I think uh, I think that's a little funny aside, but on the topic of coaches, Fred Hoiberg, rookie NBA, uh, playoff rookie NBA coach here, second year, first time in the playoffs. So Brad Stevens, I think, making his third, third postseason uh, trip with the Celtics. Uh, the question isn't who has the coaching advantage; it's how big of a coaching advantage the Celtics have, and will it make a difference? How much of a difference does it make? Coaching does matter. I I mean I think it's pretty obvious. Like this is a it's a pretty big gap. I think I think the thing the big thing with Brad Stevens is he's such a good designer of ATO play, out of timeout plays, yeah. and Hoiberg has drawn up some pretty awful plays over the course of the season. Uh, and you know the other thing is there's been such inconsistent rotation. The thing I feel like with the Celtics is. And, you know, I know we harp on the Hoiberg thing with, you know, communication and guys not knowing what they're supposed to do. Everybody on that Celtics team knows their roles, knows what minutes they're going to get, knows what they're supposed to do when they're out there. 
and for the most part, they're able to execute. And I think that's at least, I mean, they're obviously they're very talented players, but I think at least some of that is a testament to Brad Stevens' effectiveness as a coach, and that's just something we haven't seen at all from Hoiberg in the two years he's been with the Bulls. Yeah, Fred deserves, I think Fred does deserve some credit here down the stretch for helping get the Bulls into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that Atlanta game particularly sticks out to me, just a couple of really good decisions that play he drew up out of the timeout for the two-for-one for Jimmy Butler to get a really good look, pretty much. And it seems like he's then, finally figured out yeah. some things with the rotation. Yeah, and he has settled on that. It took it took some prodding, I think, from the players and some from assistants and, and you know, people focus on winning that night's game. Mm-hmm. And I think he was stuck in no man's land uh, for a while, for several weeks after that, that trade of Gibson and McDermott to the Thunder. Like, how do you do this player development? This is what my bosses want me to do. And even if my bosses aren't meeting me over coffee first thing in the morning at the Advocate Center saying, hey, play Cameron Payne tonight, they just publicly said and told the media on multiple occasions, we're in player development and playoff chase mode. Like, how do I weigh this? So he was in an absolutely brutal spot, and he's had some shortcomings. But Fred's been better late in the year. If Fred can just go out there and be normal and let his players have the freedom... And, uh, you know, call timeouts at the right time, draw up some good two-for-ones, like, dig into that playbook as deep as you can. I think this is just a time, uh, you know, where you want to play the right guys. Matchups is probably the biggest thing, I guess, just having the right guys out there. Like, when Rondo's playing well, I think, obviously, he'll give him a long leash. And, uh, because Rondo means so much to Meritage, too. Uh, At this point, I think he will. But, you know, if he's really getting exploited defensively by Isaiah Thomas, Fred's going to have some hard decisions to make. And, you know, that's where he's going to make his money. And do you play Rondo? Do you put him on someone else? Um, do you have to bench him and bring in a slightly better perimeter defender? Can Jaron Grant handle him? There's going to be concessions here the Bulls have to make. And I think one of them is that Isaiah Thomas is going to get his get his points and get his buckets for the better point of three quarters for a lot of games. Um, maybe you go to Jimmy Butler for the entire second half on Isaiah Thomas. But these are the choices uh, that Fred Hoiberg's going to have to make. And uh, I'll be interested to see all those. But Brad Stevens, very heralded as one of the best coaches in the NBA, has done an excellent job this year in getting home court advantage in the, uh, the number one seed. And we should point out, like, Boston's a really tough place to play. Yeah, it's lost there twice. Like, great fan base, great crowd, great arena. I mean, it's, it's probably one of, I mean, how many NBA arenas? And we haven't been to all of them. Obviously, you've been to a lot more than I have. Um, and everyone always loves, you know, oh, the 80s was so wild. It was so rabid in the 90s, you know. Fans just in people's ears, you know, throwing popcorn on them and stuff. Like, whatever. Like, how many NBA arenas are still a really big home court advantage? Like, I feel the Warriors are. Oracle I feel the Celtics is. are up there, too. Uh, that Those ones are. I think there's those two. Uh, I may be biased here because this is my hometown, but a good Portland playoff crowd is really is a really tough place to play. The old uh, Rose Garden. Now the Rose Garden. Now it's called the Moda Center. Center. We don't really acknowledge that, but yeah. I went there for the. Uh, I think the last. No, I, I mean I covered I covered the Clippers series last year, but a couple of years before that, the year that uh, they beat Houston in the first round after that Lillard shot, and then I went yeah. home for the second round series against San Antonio. People were it was, that was a pretty good crowd. Yeah, is that Cleveland. The, Cleveland is a good crowd, but they. I, I dock them because they just pipe in so much extra stuff that's unnecessary. But the fans are great. The fans are loud. So you're saying it's not all natural noise. Not no, as it's, much natural noise as Boston. Well, what it is with Cleveland is they'll just... They are always have the hype men going. Laker crowds are great, too, even though the Lakers are awful. Yeah, that's true. We need a recap here. So, 
Bulls got the best player in the series. Celtics, better starting lineup probably. More depth. Better coach. More continuity. Probably have a coaching advantage. What do you mean probably no coaching? They have a coaching advantage. Um, yes, thank you for pointing that out. Um, what's this point to, Sean? we got to make our predictions here. you going to go first or you want me to? I actually, well, I already made mine on the episode with Jay yesterday. And, okay. I, and I also posted it on The Athletic, so I'll just repeat it here. I went Celtics at six. I have Celtics in five. Ooh, okay. Your thought process. Let's hear it. I think the Celtics are the better team, but I think the Bulls have the best player in the series, and they have enough guys who are proven veterans. I think they're going to make it competitive. I don't think there are going to be any blowouts in this series. I think every game is going to be competitive, but the Celtics are the more talented team, so I think they're going to win the series. I don't think the Celtics are going to have any problem winning at home. I think they're going to be eight, ten-point wins in Boston. Uh, games the Bulls, I do expect the Bulls to play really hard. I expect the Bulls to, I mean, be really competitive. And make good decisions. And I mean, say what you want. The Bulls are playing some of their best basketball yeah. of the season. Like maybe their first three games of the year were some of their best basketball, and they're three and zero. They're so good there for the first couple. Of well, games. and then any and then just any game they were on TNT. Yeah, that's they, they beat the Warriors. They beat the Cavs. They beat the Celtics. Oh, yeah, I guess they, I guess two of those Celtics games they played because opening night was TNT. Also. Yeah, both of the Celtics went through TNT Magic. So like, not to make you too worried here, Bulls fans, but you haven't beat the Celtics this year without the help of TNT. Um, so, I just, I don't think the Celtics are going to go down the wire at home. I think they'll, they'll be the better team. Uh, I think it'll be two really, really good games in Chicago, and I think the Celtics will get one of them. And then it's just, I, I think the Celtics will take care of business at, at home in Game 5. A lot of people, as we pointed out in the last podcast, I think, are saying, you know, this is the, uh, this is the series. Watch out for the Bulls. It's a team no one wants to play. We mentioned it once, we saw it once, we heard the question, we saw one article since that last podcast. I feel like we've seen it like eight times, haven't we? Shout out to the bold prediction of Cody. That's true. I'm just, I'm making a late run with the bold predictions. I think I might have two of them now. Um, If Nico can somehow up his regular season scoring average to 15 or 16 or 17 points by virtue of going for like 55 a game in the postseason, I think we might... Uh, wave it and, and, and kind of factor that if in. If Nico scores 55 points a game, then I think the Bulls are going to win this series. Ricky O'Donnell. Shout out to Ricky. Of That's our boy. Bloggable. Has Bulls in six. And I want to let you know, when, speaking of predictions here, um, this is some of the most glorious, hilarious writing I have ever seen. Um, both Sean and I have retweeted this off our Twitter accounts. You can follow Sean at Hike and myself at Cody Westerlin. Uh, Ricky goes scorched earth on the Bulls and the Celtics in the same column while admitting the Bulls are awful and suck and need to fire everyone also makes the argument basically Bulls and Six because that's what this season has been and that's what this season needs to be. Right, Sean? Like, is this not some of the most entertaining thing you've read all year? Like, I just, I want you guys to go read it in full um, because it is absolutely hilarious and us reading... The quotes out loud on our own aren't going to do it justice. Not at all. But, um, shout out to Ricky for just glorious writing. We, why have we never had Ricky on the podcast, by the way? We need to do that at some point. The logistics are a little difficult, but uh, I do think it will be I think timely. he lives out at, like, Wicker Park. Yeah, it'll... Kind of far from us. It'll be... Uh, I, it's on the to-do list. We'll uh, do it. Especially with the draft coming up, because he's so knowledgeable about college We'll basketball. do it. That's when we'll do it. We'll do it after the Combine. 
Like we, I mean, we can. We're all we're all gonna be at the combine. We'll do it after the combine. I mean, we. I'm I'm okay if we just want to have an entire podcast, a retrospective on him writing this article that includes just El Duque jokes. Shout out to El Duque. <laughs> he, here's, I mean, here's here's a great line about Boston. This is this is Ricky explaining uh, Bulls and Six. I say this with love, Boston, but f you. Go hug your Kurt Schilling memorabilia and convince so yourself good. that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick aren't complete sellouts. Oh my we God. don't respect you. Two goals in 17 seconds, dog. Don't make me call El Duque to work us out of a bases juiced, no outs jam. Like it's it so is good. straight. I don't think fire. there's. I don't think there's anybody, and I know that you know as as an outsider who's not from Chicago and didn't grow up a Bulls yeah. fan. Like I don't fully understand the Bulls fan mindset in that way. I don't think there's anybody on the planet who captures it better than Ricky. Does no, on a regular I, basis. I do completely agree with that. Very, very smart, very talented writer. And uh, when the Bulls press the correct buttons on Ricky. It uh, it makes for some just brilliant. The piece he wrote after they traded Derrick Rose was great too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a, on a much more serious and uh, uh, topic, obviously. Yeah. Just, just what he meant to the city. That was that was great. But I, I'm kind of partial to the ones where he makes fun of people. It's really it's really good. Uh, so go read that. You heard it here. Um, Sean has Celtics in six. I have Celtics in five. Ricky has Bulls in six. He'll explain in his article. Uh, I think we touched on most everything. Yeah. We need. Um, I will be we'll going play to Boston. The, the series by year. I'll be going to Boston. You will not. I will, we will definitely do some. We'll figure it out. We'll do some from the road. We'll do some from home. I, I'll probably get some with some of the Celtics guys. You there. might hear Jay King again on the. Might podcast. hear Jay King. Might hear my boy Jared Weiss. You might hear Kevin O'Connor. Whoever I can pull in from from Boston. KC said he'd do one with me on the road. So that might you might see the KC Johnson return to the podcast. That's what they want. They want suspense. They yeah. want drama and uh, a surprise. We're so. not committing to anything, but there will be some variance in guests because I will be on the road. I'll be there. I'll have the live report. And then obviously we'll do them here when we're home. Follow Sean's live breaking news on the road at Hike and myself at Cody Wester on Locked on Bulls. Read The Athletic. Check out, subscribe to The Athletic to read my work. Check out 670thescore.com to read Cody's coverage of the series. Twitter, Facebook, hit us up, Locked on Bulls by its name. And uh, emails at LockedOnBulls at, at gmail.com. I know we haven't got too many questions lately. There's just been so much fire to respond to. Well, there's been stuff going on. We, we, we generally do mailbag stuff on off days, and there haven't really been a lot of off days coming down to the wire with this playoff run. Once the series is over, we can kind of do some season recap stuff. I'm sure people will have questions about what they want to do for free agency or draft stuff. You know, We'll be able to get to that. Absolutely. We have plenty of time for that. We do love you. Thanks for listening. Most of all, tell your friends, and uh, please subscribe to the podcast. That's right. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever else you can find podcasts, whatever app you use, whatever, however you get it on your phone, your computer, your iPad. Make sure you go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, tell your friends, subscribe, check out the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Check out Locked On Celtics for more of the Celtics perspective on this series, and we will be back with you guys after Game 1 in some form. Thanks for listening.